Our reading this evening is Jeremiah chapter 35, which you can find on page 663 in your pew Bibles. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers. Then offer them wine to drink. So I took Jeazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah, and his brothers, and all his sons, and the whole house of the Rechabites. I brought them to the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Vigdalia, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials, above the chamber of Maaseiah, the son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, Drink wine. But they answered, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, You shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, you shall not plant or have a vineyard, but you shall live in tents all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us, to drink no wine all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, and not to build houses to dwell in. We have no vineyard or field or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land, we said, Come, and let us go to Jerusalem, for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So we are living in Jerusalem." Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord? The command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept, and they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, But you have not listened to me. I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way and amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers. But you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the command that their father gave them, but this people has not obeyed me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them, and they have not listened. I have called to them, and they have not answered. But to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done all that he commanded you, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. To make sense of the story today, we have to go back 
about 250 years before the time of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is prophesying at the end of the kingdom of Judah. Remember from last week that the Babylonians were camped around the city of Jerusalem. They were besieging it and there was trouble. Well, this story today takes place just a little bit earlier than that, but nonetheless at the end of the kingdom of Judah, 400 plus years after the reign of King David. We have to go back about 250 years, so closer to the beginning of the kingdom than we are today. 250 years, we have to go back to hear how this story originates. It begins with a man named Jehu. Jehu was a vicious, violent, bloodthirsty kind of a man who had been appointed by God to bring vengeance on the land when Elisha was a prophet. Elisha was tasked with going and anointing Jehu to be king. And his first tasks before he took the throne was to deal with the wickedness that was prevailing in the land. And so his viciousness and his bloodthirstiness, they really paid off as he rode around killing wicked kings and their families. He kills wicked King Joram and wicked King Ahaziah, And he kills the sons of Ahaziah, and he executes Jezebel, or at least he encourages her servants to throw her out of the window. He's going around, and there's blood being shed everywhere. He's cleansing the land of all kinds of wickedness. He gathers together the prophets of Baal. He brings them into a sanctuary where they are offering sacrifices, and he massacres all of them. He's bringing out the Lord's judgment on the land. Well, along the way, while... Jehu was riding around. People were terrified of him. The kings wondered about him. They, whenever they saw him driving his chariot, they would say things like, that looks like the furious chariot driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi. And they knew that they were in trouble, and so they would run. But along the way, Jehu came across a man named Jonadab. Jonadab, the son of Rechab, 250 years before the lesson today. He came across Jonadab, and he saw him walking along the way, and he said to Jonadab, Is your heart true to my heart as mine is to yours? He was inviting Jonadab to join him in doing God's work, cleansing the kingdom of this evil, bringing God's word back into prevalence, tearing down the altars and destroying the worship of Baal. Jonadab said, yes, I'm on your side. And so Jonadab took Jehu's hand and got into the chariot with Jehu. And they went around massacring all of the prophets of Baal and all of the king's sons. Jonadab was there with him, carrying out this work. Jonadab, his story seems to end at that point. He doesn't say anything further. We don't know anything more about him until our lesson today, 250 years later where we find out that he had given some instructions to his family. Some very specific, precise instructions. They were to drink no wine, to build no houses, to sow no fields, to plant no plants, to have no vineyard, and they were to live in tents all the days of their lives. Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave those instructions to his family. And lo and behold, 250 years later, they were still following his command. They were still obeying what their great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather had told them to do. These things that would set them apart, that made them different from everyone else, who was certainly drinking wine and planting vineyards and building houses and not 
living in tents. For 250 years, this family kept this tradition. That's a long time. And it is just the kind of tradition that you would think sounds really repressive. No wine, no living in a house. Doesn't the kind of thing that would make you want to rebel against this old man, Jonadab? He's been long dead. Shouldn't we go our own way? And yet, no, this family, they kept the word of Jonadab. Now, I think we can presume that they kept his word not as some sort of self-righteousness, some act of piety that they thought made them better than anyone else, but they kept this word because they honored their great-great-great-great-grandfather. He said, this is who we are, and this is how we're going to live, and we're doing it in honor of God, not for our own glory. And so at the end of our lesson today, you can hear how God praises the family of Jonadab, for all those 250 years, keeping the word of Jonadab. They kept this tradition for all those many long years, and they even keep it today when Jeremiah puts it to the test. God gave him some instructions. He says, I want you to invite all of the sons of Jonadab, the great-great-great-great-grandsons of Jonadab, I want you to get them together, and I want you to bring them even into a holy place, a place that was sanctified for holy purposes, and I want you to set before them pitchers of wine. I want you to tell them to drink and see if they'll do it. So they gathered them all together, and there they were, and they said to Jeremiah, We can't. We've never done it. We've never had wine, and nor will we have wine, because we are honoring the word of Jonadab. So they kept this command, even when Jeremiah tried to entice them, when the man of God tried to entice them. And then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he said, Go show all the rest of Judah now how they should be behaving. Look at it. This this family is here, and they're listening to that word from Jonadab 250 years ago. And I'm here preaching to you by my prophets now, and you're not keeping my word. The sons of Jonadab are better than you children of Israel. The sons of Jonadab are better than you, O Jerusalem. They're keeping the word of that man from so long ago, and you can't be bothered to obey a single command that I give you, God says. And because of that, O Jerusalem, Babylonians will come against you. They'll conquer you and carry you off into exile because you cannot obey. You can't do this simple task of hearing my word and following it. Instead, God says, you should look at those sons of Jonadab and you should be like them. You should honor a command. You should hold fast. Just like Solomon says about the word of a father, he says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but it is the scoffers who won't listen to their fathers and who won't listen to God. God uses this family as an example to show what the people of Israel should be but are not. He holds up this example to show them how much obedience matters. He cares about obedience because it is a reflection of faith. If you trust God, you will do what he says. It is the one who does not trust God that is ready to disobey, to take matters into his own hands, to think that he knows a better way. That's the story of King Saul. When God told him not to save any of the spoils of war when they fought against the Amalekites, Saul kept a bunch of the spoils of war, including the king of the Amalekites. And when Samuel came to Saul to point out what he had done wrong, Saul says, I thought God would want something better. 
I know he told me to commit all of this to destruction, to burn all of the animals, to kill the king. I know he told me to do that, but I had a better idea. I thought that maybe I would keep them as spoils of war. Wouldn't that make God happy? I thought that I would keep them and offer them as sacrifices on our altars. Wouldn't that make God happy? And Samuel came to Saul and said, No, Samuel, the Lord delights in obedience, much more than any burnt offerings that you could offer on your altar, much better than any smoke coming up to heaven. What the Lord delights in is obedience because it reflects faith. If you hear God's word and believe it, then you will do what he says. That's the lesson for us today. We should look in our actions to see what they reflect. Do they reflect faith or unbelief? Does our disobedience reflect doubt or uncertainty about God's goodness and his love for us? Does our obedience reflect the fact that we take God at his word and hold on to his promises and blessings? Do we honor the Lord's word, knowing that it is good and true? Do we honor the Lord's word knowing that he means to bless us in every way. The Lord delights in obedience, not because he wants us to store up treasures in heaven by means of obedience, by means of good works, stacking up merits. Look at all of the good things that I've done. But he treasures obedience because it is reflective of a heart that trusts in him, and that's what he wants most of all. And it's what we need most of all. So we should hear the word of the Lord today from Jeremiah, and we should repent just as the people of Israel should have repented. For every bit of disobedience we should recognize that it's not just a mere infraction. It's not just a slight transgression. It's not just doing something a little bit wrong. But it's a reflection of unbelief. It's a reflection of rebellion. It's a reflection of the fact that I don't believe God and I don't trust him and I don't think that his word is true. And so we should repent and turn away from every last misdeed, every bit of disobedience. We should think of them all as the most severe kind of problem that we face in this life because they're reflections of faithlessness. They're reflections of hearts that are turned far away from God. Repent and be forgiven. Hear in the words of Jeremiah how the Lord wants his people to trust in him how he shows them their disobedience so that they will turn from their sinful ways and live. He shows them their sinful hearts so they'll recognize that he needs to give them a new heart, which is precisely what he wants to do. A new heart that loves what he commands, that wants to do what is good, that holds fast to his words. That's what we need. Thanks be to God. But that is exactly what he gives us. He gives us the heart of his own son, who willingly obeyed every word of his heavenly Father, even when it cost him his life, even when it cost him the suffering of the cross, being forsaken by God. God gives us his own heart. And that is exactly what we need. That is the only thing that will save us. That is the only thing that can make us like these sons of Jonadab. Pray to God that we would be like those sons of Jonadab, not honoring merely the traditions of our fathers, but the will of our Heavenly Father, because we know and believe that he is good. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.